0: Why the Warriors' number two pick is probably going to be a bust. And holy shit, Kyrie Irving is finally back in the fold for the Brooklyn Nets. We also speak to Nets insider Anthony Puccio, who spills the tea on why Steve Nash might just be a puppet in Brooklyn, and we get into some listener voicemails. Without further ado, you know, some people say COVID is not funny. But in this case, I disagree. I think COVID is hilarious. Uh, Not the disease, of course, or how it affects uh, marginalized peoples or the economic impact. Um, I mostly think it's funny how people are reacting to COVID. Their ability to rationalize anything, even something completely counter to what they just said for their own economic benefit, I think it's pretty fucking funny. I think it's funny when you spin something uh, that you really want and make it sound like you're doing it for the good of the people. When someone is so obvious in their pivot, I find that to be fucking hilarious. The latest news is this. It's really touching, actually. Adam Silver has decided for us, America, especially the downtrodden, the poor, the disenfranchised, that the NBA will make the sacrifice if public officials deem that it is needed, and take the vaccine early before the rest of us all put our lives at risk to do the same. Brave. Selfless. I, I am moved. Adam Silver, <laughs> the humanitarian and the American hero.
1: I mean, get this guy a medal. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember Adam Silver talked about his stance to Stephen A. Smith. I can't remember exactly what he said. I don't know how close it was to this stance, but I feel like it was a little different. Can you play the clip?
2: Certainly. You no, know, there's, there's no way we would ever jump the line in, 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 in any form <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and for the most part, because our players are young and healthy without some sort of comorbidity, They will not be a high priority for vaccinations. I mean, there are some other members of the NBA community.
0: When did that video come out?
1: Uh, That was uh, December 21st, I think. So, like, right before the season started.
0: So, a month ago.
1: Like a day before the season started, yeah.
0: So, in one month's time, something happened. Something that so vastly changed Adam Silver's rationale Uh, He is now advocating that the NBA not will but must take the vaccine early in order to benefit not himself, not the league, but skeptical communities. Uh, Now the NBA has a duty. It is the public good to take the vaccine. Yes, communities look to athletes as their role models when it comes to making medical decisions in a pandemic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there, there have been discussions on vaccinating our players. It is something we're particularly focused on. There is real value in our players demonstrating to a broader community how important it is to get vaccinated.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely <laughs> true. It is. There is real value to the NBA uh, for NBA players to get vaccinated. I agree, like billions of dollars of TV revenue, merchandise sales. I don't know, shit, avoiding a bubble that no one seems to stand. So what is Adam Silver really saying? He's saying that these players are a PSA. The COVID vaccine is safe, and only they can show us that it's safe. What a fucking spin zone if I've ever heard one, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with the, the, uh, the Grizzlies just postponed three games. The Wizards have missed like seven games. I'm not even sure if they're still in the league or if they've been relegated to the Gatorade League at this point. Yeah, and now Thomas
1: Bryant's out. So, like, who do they even have? Like,
0: who can we run to? No one. Running up against the July deadline because Tokyo's coming around the corner, and you can't miss that. Adam Silver found a way to rationalize that because Kyle Kuzma took the vaccine and that it's safe. That that means anything. To the average American Oh yes, Kyle Kuzma Kuz, Kuz, yes Show us what it means to be the beacon of hope Kyle Kuzma Be the face of science and epidemiology for us Kyle Kuzma, <laughs> our infectious disease expert Kuz We're going to watch him on, on TV In the middle of Staples Center In the middle of half court Sitting on a little little fold-up chair With the rest of his team around him Like, ah, Kuz Yeah, play the music, Marty. How's it going to go? How's it going to go? Oh, yes. Here we go. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. At 6'8", from Flint, Michigan, representing the Los Angeles Lakers, taking his first Moderna shot. It's Kyle Kuzma. Ah, Kuz! Kuz! Yes. (laughs) Let's get the youngest healthiest, most rich men in the country, world-class athletes, to be the example for us to collectively take the vaccine. Yes, as a league, be in solidarity for us. Show us it's safe. For no other reasons but for us. Yes, there have been discussions to educate and influence the masses, those who won't take the injection without it, whenever we get it. It doesn't make any sense to have, I don't know, guys like Bill Russell or Michael Jordan or, I don't know, Jerry West. Guys who are actually in truly truly in danger of the coronavirus? No. It can't be them. The only thing that's going to sway the people is coos. Coos! (laughs) Coos! Get the fuck out of here. This league. I love being right. I've said it a million times. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. Sometimes I'm wrong. Those are very few, far, few and far between. But I might have been wrong when I said that Steph Curry is no Batman because I think the jury's still out at this point. Let's be real. He is currently elevating a team of no ones. Who's on that team? Kelly, I think I can replace Kevin Durant-Oubre shooting 25% from three, yeah. 35% from the field. Yeah.
1: He can still steal uh, Kuzma's girl.
0: That's right, exactly. He can steal anyone's girl. And then you've got Eric Paschal, you've got Damian Lee, you've got guys that the casual fan has legitimately, they don't know if that's a real NBA player or not. I'm not just making up names. Andrew Wiggins, yes. I don't know what you would call him. Uh, But this roster is the fucking roster that Steph Curry elevated to beat the fucking world champs down multiple times double digits. Impressive. Not going to lie. So last season, they had 15 wins. They had the number two overall pick, and they chose James Wiseman. Could have had LaMelo. Would have fit in perfectly like a little glove. The problem is when you choose a guy who's 18 years old, and he's only played in three games in college, seven, less than 70 minutes total, then I mean, you risk a guy who doesn't know how to fucking play basketball. Yep. And the Warriors have a problem, a big man problem. We're 13 games into the season, and I, Marty, have seen enough. Really? I have seen enough. I know what we have. <laughs> I know who he is. Let me explain. We've got James Wiseman, a 7-foot, 240-pound deer in headlights. <laughs> a monster. We're 7-foot... Six-inch wingspan, nine-foot-six, standing reach. Dude can touch the rim without even getting on his tippy-toes, and it's sick. Sometimes you see yourself, and you're like, this guy could be Giannis. Holy shit, what did I just see? And then other times you're like, what the fuck, James Wiseman? What are you doing, James Wiseman? That's a lot of the time, actually. A lot of time you're like, ah! I don't know, I don't know. And you know who else is like, what the fuck, James Wiseman? Draymond Green. In that game against the Lakers, Draymond Green tried to thread the needle to James Wiseman. And what did he do? Instead of going pound for pound athletically gifted James Wiseman against an old rickety Mark Gasol, he turns the ball over, just like boom, boom. James Wiseman should win that matchup 99 times out of 100. Everyone knows that. And you've got Draymond then in the middle of the game like, yo, why didn't you look for the ball? Why?" And he's like, I didn't see you. I didn't see you. And he's like, that's the fucking point, bro. Look for the <laughs> ball. Always look for the ball. How the fuck do you not know this? You've been playing basketball for how long? These are fundamental elements of the game, James Wiseman. That was Draymond Green. He had this to say after the game.
2: Yeah, I was just kind of telling him what I feel. Uh, I think, you know, that was – That was right after the play where I threw it to him in in traffic and he turned the ball over. And I was just telling him. I had been looking at him the entire time down the floor. He never looked. I had been trying to give him the ball. And I was just (laughs) telling him. Most people will say, Draymond put you in a tough spot and you turned the ball over because you shouldn't have been in that spot. I think if I give him the ball right there, he knows how to handle it. He's one-on-one downhill with Marcus Saul. And I love Marcus Gasol's game. I think he's been phenomenal all these years. He's a champion. I like James' chances if he's one-on-one downhill <laughs> under control. And so, that means uh, you know, really just trying to get him to show him the different pictures. You know, and I I told him, um, I put you in a tough spot. I did, 100%. But I think you can handle being in that tough spot. And so... I'm going to do it again. Like, I'm going to throw you the ball in that spot again. You're going to be in transition. And next time, you're going to figure it out.
0: I'm going to do it again, he says. If Draymond is doing that to Wiseman in the middle of the game, you know Draymond is doing all kinds of things. Texting James Wiseman at all hours of the day. Sending him video clips like, yo, you missed this backdoor cutter here. Yo, this is a s- setting a sloppy screen here. You didn't roll to the basket here. Ding, 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 ding from Draymond Green all night. Sending him books from Amazon like triangle offense for dummies. Basketball on paper. God damn it, Draymond, will you leave, leave me the fuck alone? Dude, bro, chill. I got this. He doesn't get it. He doesn't know it. But I get it. The dude hasn't had to learn the game because he's fucking seven feet tall. He's been guarded by dudes like six eight. 6'10". He's been a matchup problem his entire life. He's never had to do anything else besides just show up and be athletic. He's played only 69 minutes of college ball. What do you think you're going to learn in that period of time? Zero. So I'm guessing, though, if at this point you haven't learned how to actually play organized ball, ball is not life. I'm guessing. But this is about Draymond. Do you think Draymond – has sympathy that his big man doesn't know how to play the game because he's been coasting on his athletic gifts his entire life? I don't think so. Do you think that's going to stop him from blowing up Wiseman's spot in a primetime game when he fucks up? No. No chance. But the truth is, it doesn't matter because Wiseman's going to get his bread. That's the way that the game goes now, folks. They're going to have to lock him up probably next year or the year after. Because that's how it goes on potential alone. 100 mil, 150 mil going to James Wiseman. And then what do you think is going to happen? What's going to happen is James Wiseman's going to be like, hey, Bob Myers, tell your boy Draymond to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> tell him to stop barking at me in the middle of the games. I'm worth $150 million. I don't want to hear his ass anymore. Six, seven, undersized fucking power forward. Get the fuck out of here. Or it's just going to be like, if James Wiseman is a nice guy, which it appears that he might be, he's going to be like, yeah, 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 Draymond, I got you. I got you. Yeah. And then he's going to really not do anything differently as a result. So, and I know that this is true because this is like how it goes with seven-footers, right? Like they get big. They're born this way. And they get pushed into playing basketball because it makes financial sense. And do they love it? Not always. Not always. Is there always a premium attached to height? Absolutely. So you go in there and you ball, you use your athletic ability and your height, and you are virtually guaranteed to have a job in the NBA. It does not matter how good you are, how much you understand the game. As long as your knees still work, if you're seven feet tall, you're guaranteed to have a job. And then they get paid. They eventually get paid, and you know what they do? They chill. There's no incentive to improve. And if the desire wasn't there to begin with, holy shit, when they get 100 milli, what do you think they're going to do? Why do you think Shaq shot 50% from the free throw line? He didn't have to add that to his game. Didn't matter. And it's even worse now than it was in Shaq's era. Millennials, oh, my God. We want to do that work-life balance thing. I'm trying to, like, enjoy my life. YOLO, that's YOLO, that's it. That's it right there. You only live once. Why do I want to be in the gym at 2 a.m. shooting jumpers when I could be chilling, playing 2K? Do you think he's watching film on a random Saturday in July once he's making that money? No chance. And that's not James Wiseman's fault. I can't knock the brother for that. He deserves to get what the market's going to pay him, and those owners, they better fucking pay up, period. God bless them. But what were the Warriors thinking (laughs) They know this. If I know this, I'm just a little layman. (laughs) If I know this, I'm certain that the Warriors know this. The Warriors drafted a guy who can't play basketball, is just lost out there into a complex system, and they're going to have to pay him pretty much immediately because you can't let a number two pick walk out the door. Once he gets that money, that's his ceiling, that moment. The goal of acquiring life-changing money was James Wiseman's main goal, and that goal will be accomplished immediately. And who does he remind you of besides Ben Simmons? (laughs) I know of a few guys. Andrew Bynum, ring a bell? I see it. Kwame Brown, ring a bell?
1: Definitely see that.
0: Big guys with tons of potential and athletic gifts that just said, you know what, I really don't want to improve any more areas of my game (laughs) casual fans you probably don't know their names you know why because they flamed out fast you had kobe bryant playing with andrew bynum losing his mind on andrew bynum on a nightly basis michael jordan had kwame brown losing his mind on kwame brown on a nightly basis james wiseman and draymond green that's what we got folks that is it. If he's not learning how to play basketball now, when he's hungry, when his family was literally starving, so they had to get Penny Hardaway to pay the family just so that they could continue on and living their life, mm-hmm. it was urgent. If you're not learning the game of basketball now, what do you think you're going to do down the road? Perennial talent and no incentive to do anything more. Psh- Do you think he's going to do this? Do you think he's going to work hard when he's driving a Bentley, making, I don't know, $25 million a year, living in a $30 million house, waking up next to Larissa Pippen?
1: (laughs) (laughs) With Malik Beasley in the other room? Yeah, and
0: she's like, baby, baby, nah, nah, nah. Nah, don't do that. Don't do that. I got this. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, babe. Yeah, babe, I got you. I got you. I I don't need to go to the facility. We chilling. This James Wiseman thing, the more I think about it, it could be a disaster, for real, for the Warriors. I mean, great for James Wiseman again. They had their one chance to draft a perennial talent. They tanked for the number two pick, and they blew it. They could have had LaMelo Ball, a perfect fit, a guy who very, very clearly knows how to play the game of basketball. Because why? Because uh, LaVar Ball was like having them dribble at 18 months old. <laughs> and yeah, like, really. <laughs> they're li- literally watching film at four all three guys, all three of his sons in the NBA. If, Lebar, if LeVar Ball was, was James Wiseman's dad, James Wiseman would be a fucking monster. He would be insane. And that's no shot to James Wiseman's family, but that's, that's how good LeVar Ball was. All three of his sons in the NBA, and none of them have even a fraction of the physical gifts that James Wiseman has. This dude turns out prodigies. So I'm not saying that this is inevitable. I mean, we know that James Wiseman told the Warriors he wanted to be the best. Mm-hmm. At least he's a good liar. <laughs> you know,
2: he's not <laughs> Anthony Edwards
0: saying, hey, I got a lot of other interests besides basketball. But, <laughs> but there's a good chance that he's the next Bynum. And he'll be sitting on the bench for the next seven years. While the Warriors have their cap being dragged down into the luxury tax in deep water. And all they'll be able to think about is, why didn't we just draft LaMelo Ball? Kyrie Irving. He needed a pause, but he is back. Took some time away. Did some important things. Not all of us are invited to know what those things are. Including Steve Nash. (laughs) But all of that is irrelevant now because he is back. All it took, though, was a blockbuster trade for James Harden, a couple of quotes from Harden about how natural it was with him and KD alone, all this chemistry. We're grown men now. We don't need much more than this. After beating the number one contender in the East, while Giannis played a full 40 minutes to try to get that win, boy, (laughs) and Kyrie all of a sudden was like, yo, I got to get back to work or I'm going to end up in Sacramento for De'Aaron Fox and some picks. that's facts. So they go back. They go for Kyrie's first game. You know, he's all about the universe. His first game back was against Cleveland. (laughs) He's showing them them that he has a ring on his ring finger.
1: It was only his third game playing there as a non-cav, third or fourth, something like that, which was weird to me. He likes to
0: run from those former arenas. Yeah, I guess he does. So then they proceeded to let Colin Sexton throw 42 on him and lose in double overtime. Dude, you can't break a Cleveland Cavaliers team down in two overtimes and make them succumb to your will when they have half their backcourt and that one guy only has one ankle. (laughs) Dude scored 20 in a row on you. Kyrie, you couldn't figure out that the entire offense was running through Colin Sexton. He was the focal point. It was him and him alone. A guy who just missed five games straight because his ankle was messed up? Not a great start.
1: Yeah, I mean, they were favored by, I think, ten and a half to beat the Cavs. Like, I, luckily, I had a uh, team total, 118, so hit that.
0: Yeah, I stayed all the way away from that bet. <laughs> I was nervous because Colin was a game-time decision. This is about to be trouble. This team is going to be all drama all the time, and I just— I just can't keep up.
1: So have we officially become a Nets podcast? Because it seems like that's
0: kind of every topic. Every single day (laughs) that we're on, we have some new Nets news. I think we are. Wall-to-wall Nets coverage 24-7 all the time. This league, this Brooklyn league. Harden trade, Kyrie's walkabout, KD balling out, players not talking to coaches, not playing any defense at all, an assistant running things like his name was Geppetto. Pulling strings on a first time head coach who he gifted two MVPs to, Marty? <laughs> With his innovative waste no energy on defense, offensive schematics?
1: Yeah, I mean, that is harsh. He deserved that first one.
0: Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> he did. <laughs> Let's call it a developing situation. Yet again, can you play the clip? I think we have a dysfunctional organization on our hands. Still stands. Dysfunctional organization. And keeping up with the theme of this league podcast being an official Nets podcast, coming up right now, we talk with Anthony Puccio, Nets insider. He was the guy who was the first to break Kyrie and Katie to Brooklyn. Uh also the first to break Harden to Brooklyn. I probe him hard on the dynamic and drama in Brooklyn, and he spills all. The Welcome to the show. This league, we've got Anthony Puccio, aka Pooch. Here, uh, Puccio is an insider, NBA insider, and creator of the Association. Uh, do you want me to call you Anthony? or do You want me to call you Pooch?
3: Whatever you prefer. <laughs> I, I never know. I never know how to introduce myself when I go to a party or something. I'm like, I'm Anthony, but you could call me Pooch if you want. <laughs>
0: no, no screwing the Pooch. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's try to get right into it. Kyrie has spoken. Uh, as a guy who has been covering the Nets for a very long time, insider for the Nets, Kyrie hasn't been there very long, but you've been around for a while. Tell me what I should know about what Kyrie just said. Break down and translate it for me.
3: Well, look, I I always try and separate the human being from the player itself. So taking what he did say, uh, he, he briefly mentioned mental health and he did briefly mention... Uh, things that are going on in the country and that all having an effect on, on where he's been and why he hasn't been reporting. But uh, for the most part, Tristan, like he he really didn't address, you know, why he was gone. And, and nobody had asked him about, you know, ownership being frustrated with him because the nets were frustrated after they saw that video, They, they were like, all right, you know, time to report to work, you know, what are you doing out partying? So, you know, nobody had asked him about that. Nobody asked him about the Capitol Hill incident. And and really, um, I don't want to say it was a no update. You know, I, I wish the best for the person himself. But uh, quite frankly, I don't feel like we really got any answers other than, you know, personal reasons.
0: Someone asked him whether that he thought he could get the joy back. And then he kind of asked, he answered the question in a completely different offhanded way. Um yeah. I mean, it's an interesting part of the saga. Does this mean that Kyrie is really back in the fold in your opinion?
3: I mean, I guess so for now. Right. I, I think that uh, it's one of those things where the Nets were so frustrated that it was like, you know, either you, again, either you report or, or that's it, you know, we're ready to move on. And I think that's what kind of accelerated the James Harden talks. That's what made them really up there ante to get James Harden. Um, you know, I, I, it just seems like Kyrie, with whatever he's dealing with, he's not finding fulfillment with basketball. So, I don't, I don't know if this is a long term thing. You know, again, last year he did this eight weeks where he went without speaking to the media, just randomly had a had a shoulder injury. And again, I don't mean to to kill this guy because it's clear that he's going through a lot of stuff. But uh, you know, I, I just I, he's just too unpredictable for me to say anything about him.
0: You mentioned that. Um... His time away was one of the reasons that they expedited the trade deal for Harden. How do you feel, or from what you know, how is Kyrie feeling about this Harden move, and was he anticipating this move to happen prior to it actually becoming a reality? You're smiling.
3: Uh, well, look, I, I've I've never seen Kyrie Irving play. You know, he he was the Batman to KD's, uh, you know, he was the Robin to KD's Batman, right? And and now he's got to play the the third fiddle here. He's going to be the Ringo star of the bunch. And he's never done that. You know, he's obviously always kind of had control in Cleveland and Boston. He was always one of those guys. So I honestly don't know where he stands with this. I do know that before the season started in the off season, Kevin Durant and James Harden were talking and, and and they were very serious about Harden coming to Brooklyn. And I think it was one of those things where it was not a matter of if it happens more so when it happens. And again, Harden thought he was coming to Brooklyn in November. They, they thought this was done. So I don't know if Kyrie signed off on this. <laughs> I don't know where he stands. I know he didn't sign off on Steve Nash, and that's been kind of a shaky relationship to start. So, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know how he's going to feel about being the Ringo star of the bunch, but he better get used to it because uh, these are the circumstances he's being thrown into, and I don't know what his future lies ahead if he pulls any of these stunts again.
0: A couple of things that you just mentioned that I want to follow up on. The first one is uh, that this was already being in the works in November and that Kyrie may or may not have known about its existence, right? How did this all come into your purview? Because everybody said, you know, Puccio, uh, you're a fraud, like you're making this shit up. You were you were the first person to report not only the Kyrie and KD coming to Brooklyn, but also this thing back in November. So give us the backstory into how you you got without revealing anything that you can't reveal. What can you share us? Spill a little tea.
3: Yeah, I, I guess I was a little too early, Tristan. You know, like, I, right? I know how that goes. I
0: know how that goes.
3: So it is what it is. But you know when I when I was uh, speaking to people back in November, it was like. You know, KD is spending a lot of time with James Harden in California, you know, specifically in Beverly Hills. They were they were working out and they were partying. They were having a good time together and talk started to pick up. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, James Harden basically thought that he was going to start the season with the Brooklyn Nets. And there was a point where I had maybe five, six people, all different type of personnel, people that were involved. Players that were involved that thought this was done, that this was a verbal agreement, and then Houston kind of said, "You know what? We're not, we're not going to give Brooklyn what they want. We're not going to give James Harden what he wants." Um, and and then it just kind of drew out, obviously, up until this point. And again, I think it was one of those where the Nets felt like they needed insurance for Kevin Durant, and and if Kyrie Irving isn't going to be here, or he's going to pull these stunts again, two years in a row where he's just kind of gone missing. Uh, they need someone there that's going to help win a championship now. And again, Kyrie's inconsistency is just one of those examples of again we need to go anti up. And it became that bidding war between the Nets and Sixers, Tillman Fertita and and Daryl Morey, Tillman Fertita and Mike D'Antoni as the assistant coach with the Nets. So it was it was a you know a very dramatic and 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 drawn out process that probably could have been done in November.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think. Uh... Yeah, Kyrie has never played a full 82 games. Uh, Kevin Durant coming off of a soft tissue injury. Both of those guys have uh, question marks in terms of how available they're going to be from a physical and and health standpoint. We know that James Harden is durable. We know that he can get 50 wins all by himself if he has to and do the load management. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, And James seems like a perfect fit uh, in this system and obviously – great relationship with d'antoni and it seems to me anthony that d'antoni is running the show in brooklyn and not steve nash uh what is your take on that
3: i would i would have to agree with you i, I would say that mike d'antoni is more the, the head coach than steve nash steve nash look not to discredit him or anything but they fired a, a very good coach in kenny atkinson last year and they, and they didn't promote a very good head coach in Vaughn who led them to a seven and three record in the bubble you know, he, they were both very good coaches. I think, you know, Steve Nash kind of came in, KD signed off on it. Shaw Marks liked him and he's kind of serving as Phoenix
0: Suns connection.
3: Yeah. The Phoenix Suns connection. And I, I, I don't want to say the word puppet, but it's kind of one of those where he's standing in front of the camera. He's very well-spoken. He's, he dresses sharp and he, he knows how to communicate with players apparently. But, uh, it's been a shaky relationship with him and Kyrie Irving, like I mentioned. And you know, the offensive system that they run is is the same that they ran in Houston. And quite literally the same they ran with Kenny Atkinson for the last three years. So yeah, Dan Tony's more the coach than, than Steve Nash right now.
0: Yeah, and I think that it speaks to also if Kyrie's having friction with Steve Nash, and this is the Dan system that Dan pioneered, that Steve Nash is, you know, de facto head coach who are the players talking to? Do you think that they're talking to D'Antoni or do you think they're talking to Nash?
3: If 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 any of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think you know, we we heard Kyrie Irving say on Kevin Durant's own podcast, saying that we don't have a head coach. Yep. This is a collective effort, you know? So and, and KD tried to bring it in, like, yeah, well, Jacques Vaughn could help, you yeah. <laughs> know? So I, I think it's one of those things in Brooklyn where they do have a bunch of good assistant coaches. And a lot of guys, like Amari Stoudemire and, Adam Harrington, like guys that used to play in the NBA and have have trained these guys in the past, uh, who I do believe that they they do consult with. Uh, Spencer Dimity before the season said a head coach is more like a, a psychologist now than a, than an X and X and O's type of guy. So uh, I'm sure they have every each player might you know they might as well have somebody that they can bank off. Of, but I really I don't really know who the head coaches of this team, and, and it's kind of shown in the early goings of the season.
0: Yeah, and. It's interesting that you say that because you would think that that Steve Nash might take exception to that comment when he heard um, Kyrie say that on the podcast and then, you know, very clearly snitched on Kyrie that he hadn't heard from him. Uh, In terms of what you know, and that obviously would create friction for anyone, be like, yo, bro, like, just, hey, can you chill and say that you spoke to me? You don't have to throw me under the bus like that. Uh, Where do you put their relationship now? How much on the rocks is it? And like, what does that actually mean for the Nets?
3: I, I would just say inconsistent. It's, it's it's almost non-existent. You know, from just from what I've heard, is that really Kyrie never gave him a chance. Like he never he never really welcomed him because he didn't sign off on it. Uh, Sean Marks and ownership didn't go to Kyrie and ask him who who do you want the head coach to be? You know, so he was he was frustrated with the organization from day one.
0: He wanted so, Tyloo.
3: I don't know who he wanted, you know, maybe himself <laughs> at this point. If he's saying that he, they don't need a head coach, you know, I, I don't know who they wanted and I don't know who he wanted. So uh, it's 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 a weird space and, and him and Steve Nash, they're going to have to figure it out because, you know, we're only in what game 15 of the year you know, and there's already issues there, but watch Steve Nash in every press conference that he does. Every time they bring up Kyrie Irving's name, it's like, a very, very quick, short, and stoic answer. Like, do you are you confident that Tyree's going to come back this season? He says, "Sure." <laughs> like, like, as you mentioned, him saying that there's been no communication. He literally, he's not, he's not shying away from it. He's making it very clear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that you think D'Antoni is the head coach, and you mentioned the word "puppet" for Steve Nash. Do you also think he's a possible scapegoat if things don't work out right away?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Who else are you pointing fingers at? Nobody's going to point them at KD, and and they shouldn't. You know, he's having an MVP like season right now. Again, a little early, but um, I think I think Nash is definitely the scapegoat, the same way Kenny Atkinson was the scapegoat last year. Kyrie didn't play any games, KD didn't play any games, and somehow the guy got fired. They made the playoffs, and he somehow got fired. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the coach is always going to get blamed, but it won't be Mike D'Antoni that gets blamed. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: he's waiting right there in the wings, isn't he, Anthony?
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, all those guys are. They're, they're all they're Jacques Vaughn's right
0: there too.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> they have they have all the resources.
0: <laughs> Tell me about the size. How does ownership play into this whole equation? Obviously, there's drama. And obviously, there's three guys who are going to expect to get paid a lot of money. From what I understand, the size don't care at all about paying the luxury tax. They want the best of everything. Um, how would you describe them and, and the relationship the players have with them?
3: Look, the size have made their presence felt, and they made it felt from day one. Uh, the whole thing with Kenny Atkinson, they had a big part to do with that. They, they heard what KD and Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan were saying, and they looked on Twitter and saw that the fans were unhappy with him, and they said that's it, you know, and, and they cut him quick. Um, so then with this, this whole incident and everything that was going on, I mean, you know, they're very hands-on. They, they, they were okay with whatever was going on with Kyrie at first, and then they saw that video, and and Joe Tsai was pissed. Like he was, he was just fed up. Like he said, "This is this is it, this is it." So he's very hands-on. You got you have to understand, Trista, You know the Nets had Mikhail Prokhorov as their owner before Joe Tsai, and Prokhorov. Nobody knew where he was. He would be on a, a yacht in, in in Prague, or you know, he was all over the place. So when they hired Sean Marks, Sean Marks was really like the owner. He was the governor. He, he was, was kind everyone.
0: of like Daryl Morey before Tillman Fertita came in.
3: Right, right, exactly, exactly. A lot of a lot of Nets and Rockets connections here, right? for sure. So, so he, so Marx had this freedom, and and when he had the freedom, he was doing everything right. You know, he turned a twenty win team into a forty two win team into so what you're seeing today uh but now you know joe sai and, and ownership is, they, they have their hands on everything and, and um look, I, I know sean marx is now considered an alternative governor he got he got like promoted last week or something and the nets didn't publicly announce that so he still has power he still has say but there are certain things that have happened including the kenny atkinson firing that i don't think sean Marks would have uh, signed off on if mikhail prokhorov was still the owner
0: very interesting super interesting uh so that that begs the question: Are KD, James Harden, Kyrie Irving speaking to the size more so than they're speaking? In, in your from your viewpoint, speaking to Sean Marks,
3: uh, it's hard for me to say because I really don't know. I, but I think if they do have a problem, they're going straight to Joe. Sci. That's what I would I assume think. too. I, I I would assume that they're obviously speaking to Sean Marks. I th- I think that there is a relationship there. Obviously, you know, there has to be, but. Uh, if there's a major issue, you know, it's going straight to Joe Sai.
0: Yeah. And I, I heard that the wife was very involved as well.
3: Yes. She's the co-owner. That's Clara Usai. Um She's, she's very much involved with Joe and, and, and helps him with a lot of things also off the court. They're fighting social injustice and, and criminal justice reform and all that type of stuff. Um, I had done a story with her and it was, it was made very clear that she was the co-owner of the team and, they most recently bought the New York Liberty so yeah very very involved.
0: So are you are you excited about these 3? Are you skeptical about these th- 3 or are you fearful about these 3?
3: You know, Tr- Trish, I I watched these last two games and I was like this is this is fun. Like this is this is what it's all about. Like this is what Nets fans have been waiting for. James Harden and Kevin Durant like it's it's unbelievable and and the attraction that that James Harden brings on on the court right those double teams and he's able to just kick it out to, to Kevin Durant open for three kick it out to Joe Harris shooting 53% from three you know it, it's it's a luxury but now i have to ask myself like with Kyrie coming into the mix again i mentioned that ringo star effect and not to mention two guys who really need the ball in their hands you know I, is that going to disrupt this rhythm that we've been seeing you know they they handled milwaukee pretty well last night i know it came down to a last last second shot but they were winning that whole game but
0: let's be real too anthony uh james harden hasn't played one hasn't practiced at all with the team just came in like it was pickup and ran the box out of the gym
3: yeah yeah and that that shows how lethal they are and how much in rhythm that they're in james harden is just happy to be here like we, we, it look like I feel like I'm watching a James Harden I haven't seen in years because he's just happy, he's bought in, he wants to win a championship, he'll do whatever it takes. So, part of me is like skeptical about Kyrie coming back and messing up the rhythm, but part of me is also like, you know, Kai knows that he's kind of like on his lattice leg here, and KD and James Harden are going to be his biggest supporters, knowing that he's going through a rough time and they're gonna do everything they can possibly can to make this work because there's that human side that does come out in you, right? You're rooting for the person as well and you want them to get better. Basketball's supposed to be therapeutic for these guys, so it's kind of one of those things where I feel like Harden and, and KD have to be his biggest fans and, and help him uh, work his way into this offense and just like mentally get back into the space of working.
0: Well, and KD and Kyrie are supposedly best friends, um, so you would think that that would make things easier. Is that changing? Is it Harder to be friends when you have to work together every day? Is there anything that you're knowing about that?
3: Well, they say, you know, you don't do business with friends, right? Uh, but and that there was a little bit of a distant relationship between them two, but I think KD has his back no matter what. KD not here without him. But it's also one of those things where, like, dude, you brought me here. You brought me to Brooklyn. I, I need you with me. So, you uh, know, I, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, really comment any further on their relationship
0: yeah I think that the part about basketball for basketball heads you know this isn't a a podcast that breaks down x's and o's but I was talking to somebody earlier and the time that Kyrie was really the most effective was when uh, he played for the Cavs and he was sort of coming off the ball it was Braun bringing the ball up Kyrie not taking the hits that I think now James Harden can take you know he's much more durable Kyrie Irving has issues with durability especially when he has to be the one to shoulder the burden and be the focal point of the offense. And instead of Kevin Love, now you have Kevin Durant. So I think that possibly could be an ideal scenario if Kyrie buys in. Um, Is that kind of what the Nets are thinking? Or are they thinking that Kai's going to go back to being the one and James is about to be the two?
3: I mean, Kevin Durant said that he sees James Harden as a point guard. So if Kevin Durant says it, I believe him. And I, and I think that's the best possible solution for them is to have Harden bring up the ball. But, again, it's one of those things where Kyrie is used to having the ball in his hands. He's used to dribbling out the clock. So I have I, I have to watch them play together. I have to see him off the ball and see if... Look, it, again, you mentioned a good point. He played well off the ball in Cleveland, but uh, with this Nets team ego, superstar egos and all that type of stuff, I, I just... I have to see them play together there's no doubt that it could work when it comes to talent they have it it's just a matter of buying it right now i know two out of three guys are in.
0: yeah no doubt uh let's talk about you for a second tell me about how you got in uh got into the business
3: so i was uh well trista i, I mean i could beat around the bush or i could be real honest with you, you know it, it's one of those types of things but uh i was i was i was in high school and and i i felt I, I fell to some hardships, you know, I, i I'd gotten evicted from my home. My dad was very sick, so he couldn't work. So I was, I was young in high school and I was like, you know, I was playing very competitive basketball. I was on the number nine ranked nationally team, uh, in the United States. And I went to basically every Nets game. I watched every Nets game. So I, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and was like, you know, I don't want this type of stuff to happen to my kids in the future. I don't want to have to deal with this in the future. Uh, not to make my parents out to be bad people or anything like that. It was just a lot of misfortune. So it was one of those things where, said I'm good at basketball. I watch every game. I, I might as well write about it. And Trista, I was awful at writing. Like I was, I was bad. Like I, I wasn't a good. I wasn't a very good. Student. For how
0: many I, years? I, For how many years? You were cut. What? You were the beat writer. Eight years.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but before I'm saying before that. I was, I was just, like, senior in high school, like, sending Microsoft Word articles around, asking, you know, and, and a lot of people got back to me. Like, Frank Isola got back to me. Stefan Bondi got back to me. And, and eventually, uh, my former boss, uh, Tom Lorenzo at Nets Daily, you know, he, he read it, and he was like, look, dude, you know, you have a passion, and you're going through a lot of stuff. Like, stay persistent with it. So I, I majored in communications. I went to Nashville Community College, uh, and I kept writing, and, and two years later, or better yet, a year later, I circled back with Tom Lorenzo. And he said, all right, let's do it. Like, you, We're going to get you a season credential. And from then on out, I had my communications degree. I went to NYU after that. I went to St. John's. And while I was in college, I was covering the Nets full time. I was doing 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. shifts, Going from Queens back to Long Island, getting in a suit, hopping on a train, going to Brooklyn, getting home 1, 2 a.m., doing the same thing the next day. Uh, and and here I am you know seven years later now I'm covering the NBA uh, as a whole so it's uh, it's been a crazy crazy journey it obviously doesn't just stop but or the adversity doesn't just stop but I would like to think that all of those hardships kind of propelled me to where I am today and the person that I am as well
0: when you beat out Woj or Shams or Mark Stein or Chris Haynes what is what is that environment like from a competitive standpoint um i'm not in the scooping business i obviously was very wrong about my scoop of uh, about harden going to philly which i thought was definitely going to happen from someone very high up that didn't know they were getting played um but i've heard that it's a bit of a mafioso vibe to a degree
3: oh man i'll tell you what one thing is that you get absolutely killed like by just twitter is just absurd you know like who, yeah, WFAN, they went all day when I had the KD and Kyrie thing. I, I got into a whole thing with those guys, Gio and Boomer, because they doubted my reports about KD and Kyrie back in April. Uh, but it's one of those things, Trista, where like I'm pretty thick skinned that I'd, I'd like to believe. And uh, I, I'd also like to believe I'm humble, but it's also one of those things where no, like I, I belong here. Like I trust my people. I work damn hard for this. And, and Just because Woj is with ESPN or uh, Stein, who is a good friend, is with the New York Times, it doesn't mean that they're better than me or they're this or that. You know, I belong in this space. So, uh, you know, uh, to me it's all justification and this James Harden stuff is kind of vindication.
0: Yeah, did you run up the scoreboard?
3: Uh, I I did a little bit of a, you know, some victory last, but not too much because, you know, it was two months after the fact. So, again, I, I like to try and stay as humble as I can.
0: I guess. If it, if it was me knowing who I am, i love to be right. There's nothing to me more fun than everybody telling me how wrong my insight is and then me coming <laughs> out and it turns out to be true. But uh, let's do this more. You want to do this more?
3: I would love to. i right. me on whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, let's do this on know.
0: a regular basis. I am totally down. Uh, how do we find find you? I know you do periscopes. I know that you are the creator of the association doing your damn thing. Um, tell everyone how to find you.
3: Yeah, I mean, they could sign up for the newsletter, which is every day, at theassociation.com. They could email me, Anthony, at theassociation.com, or just type in A. Pooch on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, they could hit me up over there. So it's very, very simple. And and thank you again, Tristan.
0: This was fun. No, thank you for coming on. Let's do this more. Uh, Again, thanks again for coming on, Anthony Puccio. We will see you again. This is a being a de facto Nets podcast now. The Nets are now the, the center of the universe, especially with everything that's gone on for it to get to this place. I am certain that Kyrie will provide us with more nuggets that I'm going to come out and reach out to you for. So um, believe me, I'm going to be reaching out soon.
3: I'm here, Trista, and thank you for no mafia jokes. That's one thing that I get a lot when I go on podcasts and radio and TV. So,
0: well, that's, It's very much appreciated. That's very unfair. That's very unfair of me. It's I would never unfair. do that to you.
3: I appreciate you for that. Thank you.
0: All right. Talk to you soon, bro. Thanks, Jason. All right. Let's get into some listener voicemails.
3: If Tyree isn't going to retire, show up to work, you bum. (laughs) Loving the pod. Not bad for a soulless broad. Keep it up.
0: (laughs) Keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this dude? Why do I love him so much? (laughs) So there's a little backstory behind this. First of all, my mom. At one point, and I talked about this on the radio on The Cousins, so this guy must listen to Sirius XM. Uh-huh. She called me soulless uh, one time. She said, Trista, you have no soul. Because I don't actually know why she said that. I think it was because I didn't want to listen to some dumb dramatic story that she had to tell me, and I was like, yo, I got to go. I got to get <laughs> off the phone now. And she's like, Jesus, you have no soul, Tristan. Has anybody ever told you that? And I'm like, well... It's coming from my mom now, so I guess it's the only person that matters. And now she swears. She swears on her life she's never said that. <laughs> Shout out to mom who's definitely listening to this podcast. But not to cover the same ground again, but Yeah, I get why Nets fans are salty about all this. Um, but I also understand why Kyrie did it. You know, he's got things to accomplish. He ended up buying the family of George Floyd a house. Um, he's going through some mental issues, so You know, I get both sides of it being frustrated, and the truth is we're going to have no idea how the Nets are going to actually look until the playoffs start because they're not going to try to play defense until it's a high-leverage situation. They're not going to care about winning against the Cleveland Cavaliers on a random Wednesday night. No shot. They're going to show up for the games that they think are statement games, and they're going to mail the rest in. doesn't matter where they're seated. There's not going to be any fans. We know that. Home court doesn't mean anything at all. So who knows? If they're like a five or a six seed, who cares? As long as they're not an eight seed playing Milwaukee in the first round, I think that's really all they care about. What do you think, Marty?
1: Yeah, I mean, they are just going to score just a hell of a lot. And it, it, uh, until we get to the point where the games really matter and, like, seeding is really important, yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing the most high-level effort from that team.
0: Yeah, they're still trying to get it together. Yeah, They still haven't p- practiced together as a trio. That, that deserves mm-hmm. noting. Yeah. All right, let's do the next voicemail.
3: How the hell did James Harden just absolutely finesse every single one of us? Man ate his way out of Houston. These
0: people, these boys, the most chaotic team in the NBA. Peace. Peace. Love that outro. Uh, You know, I think the more we learn about the James Harden situation, the more clarity you get, right? So the truth is James Harden thought he was going to be on the Brooklyn Nets back in November before the season even started. So that's one piece. And then clearly it was January – and James Harden hadn't been moved yet. A couple months passed when he thought he was going to be on the team. No movement. Tillman Fertitta, Salty Fertitta, as I like to call him, <laughs> was not interested in doing anything unless it fit him on his timeline and for the assets that he wanted. Okay, so if I was James Harden, I would do everything that I could to pull the levers of power and make them uncomfortable, just like they said they wanted to be. Right? Okay, so he pushes the buttons to get out of town. But it it really is a Tillman-Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets, problem. He was the reason that this whole thing happened the way that it happened. If Tillman-Fertitta would have just kept his mouth shut and stayed in his lane, James Harden would still be a Rocket right now. How do I know this? All right, let's go through the history. I've been wanting to work this in, so let's do it right now. (laughs) Let's go. Tillman-Fertitta buys a team in 2017. He keeps hands off for a little while. Daryl Morey doing his damn thing. He's fluid. Daryl Morey doesn't have to really ask anyone to do anything. He's the de facto owner of the team at this point, And he's one of the best at making moves on the fly. All right. Then Tillman Fertitta comes in about a year later, a little a little more, and says, you know what? Handcuffs are off me now. That's a quote. Handcuffs are off me. Now, Daryl, you need to run every single thing by me. Daryl Morey's like, What? <laughs> What'd you say? (laughs) All right. Uh, So now Maury doesn't have the ease to make moves, to make trades, to make those financial decisions that make or break in the league a second or two. And now you've got a red tape crisis that the Frittata is running. What are you doing, Tillman Fertitta? He fucks up with the flow. And then D'Antoni and Daryl Morey are united. They're like, we don't want Russell Westbrook. There's only one ball. This thing has disaster written all over it And just like an owner who's a busybody would do, he forces that trade to happen. And he says, you know what? These guys got a little cold feet. I made sure to turn the heat up on them. Now we got Russ in Houston. And it is a fucking nightmare. And then he wouldn't extend D'Antoni. He was like, oh yeah, lame duck D'Antoni. I'm okay. His agent didn't want to get a deal done. He did me a favor. These are all quotes. Look them up. He did me a favor. And then... He says, "I'm not extending you the very next year after he didn't extend him the last offseason and Dan Tony says, "You know what? I'm out. I'm not going to take a bunch of one-year contracts and have uh, you on have me on a little leash where I do exactly what you want to do because I'm worried about not getting extended." Right. So he says, "You know what? I'm out." And then Daryl Morey's like, "Yo, I'm out too. I'm going to take some personal time." And they both bounce. Daryl Morey gets a lucrative contract, being the second GM on a contender, and Dan Tony becomes the de facto head coach on a contender. And then James looks around, and it's tumbleweeds, <laughs> and a guy coming off of an ACL injury that he doesn't want to play with, and he's like, holy shit, get me out. So all of this comes down to Tillman. If it wasn't for him doing all his shady things, then maybe we would have a team that was still intact. So, and you're still he, he's still salty, so that he didn't make he didn't want to make that trade with Daryl Morey to get Ben Simmons. You could have had Ben Simmons on your squad right now, and instead you have Victor Oladipo on an expiring, and some draft picks. Nice job, Tillman Pertita. You fucking played yourself.
1: Yeah. Some picks that are probably going to be worth nothing too.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
3: What's up, this league? This is Nick Lawson. I'm calling from my own podcast, Big Banter Pod. And Shout out. No free we have to talk about Stephen Curry as one of the goats. Got to put him in the category with MJ, Kobe. That's such and a ridiculous LeBron thing to and say. Other old men out there who used to play the game. Steph's got to be a goat category finalist. I said it. Hot take. You got to talk about it. Got to be addressed. My man is a fucking savage. Thank you.
0: I think the four one five area code is the bay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that man lives in the San Francisco metropolitan area. Okay, so Steph Curry, not a GOAT. He's not one of the greatest players of all time. He will go down as probably the greatest shooter of all time. I think that's kind of not even in question.
1: That's pretty locked up.
0: Pretty locked up. Is he a Batman? I already said it's possible, whatever this caller's name is. So get off my back. I already walked my stance back. (laughs) He's already elevating a shitty team to do great things. So I have a statement to make for this caller. If Steph Curry can take the Golden State Warriors to the Western Conference Finals this year with that trash ass roster, which we know does not deserve to be anywhere near the Western Conference Finals, I will label him a Batman and I will never recant that statement. So Steph, go do it. I know you're not gonna get to I know you're not gonna get past King Koopa. LeBron James, I know, but just getting there is enough to put you into to goat status or Batman status. So, that's what it takes to get the cape.
3: Hey, this is Kevin. Um, I live in Georgia. Um, I
1: was calling because I don't. I think more people need to be talking
3: about how bad Trey Young's hair is. <laughs> <Thanks>. Nice. <sighs>
0: You know, sometimes you see, say, you see something and you feel compelled to say something. See something, say something. And then other times you think, maybe if I don't have anything nice to say, I won't say some, anything at all. But I do get paid to give my opinion. And my opinion, I have been holding back for a long time. And that is, I mean, I've literally held myself back from talking about DRN Fox now for five episodes. And why Deere and Fox cutting his hair makes him completely irrelevant on the floor. I can't even tell whether he's out there or not. And makes Sacramento probably less exciting as a result of that haircut. So I've been wanting to say it, and I've been <sighs> reluctant. So this caller, it came at a perfect time. I think, Trey Young, it's time, fam, to go home. To just cut it off. Just go for it. Bald? I don't know if you need to go Bald? <laughs> But I think your hair is, it's very thin. It's translucent. It's like its like powder in hair form.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? That, that movie, Powder?
1: Yeah. I mean, hair matters. When Josh Jackson cut his hair, that was the moment I stopped believing in him.
0: Thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, like, imagine Colin Sexton cutting off his hair right now. What would you think? No way. You went from, damn, that guy has swag to rock his hair like that, to... Wow, you really went corporate on us, Colin. Yeah, threw,
1: threw away that Head and Shoulders money.
0: Corporate, Colin. We don't want corporate, Colin. So, tr- so Trey, it's time. Not everybody deserves or can have an S curl, and that applies to you. <laughs> Cut it off, as SVP would say. Come home, Trey. Come home. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Uh, please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. That goes for you too, Marty. Unsubscribe, resubscribe.
1: Oh, yeah. I've been doing it.
0: You've been doing it every mm-hmm. day? Mm-hmm. That's that's like uh, brush your teeth, unsubscribe, resubscribe. Yeah, that's when I'm waiting
1: on things to export. Yeah,
0: It makes a huge difference. It's literally 33% of what puts us in the rankings. Rankings and downloads gets us advertising, and that makes me uh, happy and makes Barstool happy. So please support us. We also have This League hoodies on sale at the Barstool store. There's multiple different colors. Um, We will see you Monday afternoon. Thanks again for listening to This League.